0: There is a bigger understanding around mental health now. I mean, we're not at the ideal level where most business owners are making it a priority, but I think the only way to have a successful business moving forward from this point now is to make that a foundation or to make that a really driving force within your company.
1: Every hospitality business is founded on on values, on ideas, on a, a style of hospitality that it wants to deliver to the public. Uh, Oko opened in Fitzroy recently in Melbourne, inner Melbourne, and it's owned by Sebastian Passanetti, who's running the restaurant with his mother. Oko has a very particular approach to hospitality, and I'm excited to chat to Sebastian to find out more about it. Sebastian, welcome to Dirty Linen.
0: Hey, Dani. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited.
1: I'm really excited um, to have you on the show. We've been trying to line this up for a while, so I'm glad we've done it. But yeah, it's it's busy when you're opening a restaurant, Yeah.
0: God, tell me about it. I don't even have even had time to shower.
1: <laughs> uh, well, tell us a little bit about Oko.
0: Cool. So Oko is a Mediterranean small place restaurant that I've just opened with my mum. Oko, the word, is actually my middle name. Um, and that comes from my dad's side of the family who is West African. So in West African culture, when two twins are born... Um, we get a a middle name so you know which region of the Ghana that we come from. So my middle name is Oko um, and that's where Oko's come from. And and are you a twin? I am a twin, yes. I've got a twin sister. So is is her middle name also Oko? No, her middle name is Aquela, So a female will get Aquila and a male gets Ogo. Wow. I love
1: that. And so obviously there's a lot of um, Italian culture in Africa and, and vice versa um, due to colonialism. But tell me about the place that that African side of yourself plays.
0: So to be completely transparent, I don't have many ties with my dad. Um, I've the Mediterranean aspect comes more from my mum, she is Italian. So we kind of wanted to merge the two together um, and make Oco be more represented, I guess, personally, and through while we're delivering at Oco restaurant. Um, that's where it comes from. Mum's Italian. So we wanted to really incorporate that into the restaurant, which is why we went with Mediterranean. West Africa is not actually a part of the Mediterranean, but Africa, some parts are. So we've kind of tried to do the whole scope of that. I've also been living in the UK and Europe for the last three years. So I also wanted to tap into that as well, which is why we decided to go Mediterranean.
1: Wow. And it's so interesting to open a restaurant with your mum. I mean, have you guys worked together before?
0: We have not worked together before, and interesting is probably the appropriate word. Um, We are having so much fun though, and my mum is an untapped genius, which I'm so lucky to have. So it's been fun.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm sure you know the more you call your mum a genius, the better the the working relationship will be. What are you? How are you splitting the responsibilities?
0: So um, we've kind of navigated into what we kind of do organically. So Mum's kind of looking after the kitchen side of things with our head chef Kim Moore, and I'm kind of looking after front of house and doing kind of the back of it, back end of accounting and finance and all that kind of stuff.
1: Okay. And is your mum
0: has your mum worked in hospitality before? She's worked in hospitality for pretty much her whole life. Um, whether that's been like dry goods suppliers or in school canteens cooking food or restaurants and cafes, wine bars in Europe as well so she's done the lot as well which is a really good backbone foundation for me for my first restaurant as well so very lucky oh
1: that's so amazing um and tell us about your background in hospitality Sebastian
0: yeah so I have been working in hospitality since I think I was 15 years old I First started in a restaurant in Mill Park, so that's like the northern, northeast suburbs of Melbourne, um, a restaurant called Nova Vista where I did work experience there for a week and fell in love with the industry, fell in love with what the offering was, hospitality and restaurant work. So stayed in it from there and started to take it really seriously when I got a job at Chin Chin in Melbourne. So s- that was when I really noticed the industry. and was like, oh, this could be a sustainable career and something that I'm really interested in. So Joined Chin Chin in Melbourne, moved to Sydney to open Chin Chin Sydney. Um, There was just a few of us that the group took over to open Chin Chin Sydney. Did that for a year, came back to Melbourne, um, stayed at Chin Chin a little bit longer and then I moved over to London uh, where I've just spent the last three years in and out of restaurants and most recently worked for a mental health foundation that was specific to mental health first aid training and hospitality. Yeah, well
1: that's so interesting. I I know that mental health and hospitality you know, are a big concern for you or how, you know, how to bring greater mental wellness into the hospitality world. Tell us how you came to connect with the um, that foundation over in London.
0: Yeah, of course. So I was working at this restaurant called Cricket, a really cool Indian small plates restaurant in London who are doing amazing things. And I had a head chef there who was really passionate about speaking up about mental health issues, uh, both personally and within the working culture. Um, Me and her just got along really well and she came to me maybe a couple of months later being like, I'm leaving the restaurant. Um, I've had a friend who's taken her own life, who was a chef, um, was victim to a bit of harassment and assault. Not saying that she, this person took their life because of the hospitality industry, but the pressures of the... Working environment definitely played a part. And she made this foundation called Callie's Cause. The girl's name was Callie who took her own life. And Callie's Cause purpose was to just destigmatize the conversation around mental health, incorporate a better working environment into most environments, and just to start the conversation. Um, So as soon as she told me that, it was like a light bulb moment for me. We became really good friends. And then a year later, I joined her full time. Wow, that's really,
1: um, yeah, really intense. I mean, of course, you know, when you hear about somebody taking their life, that's a, you know, a very shocking, shocking thing to hear and could be a turning point in anybody's life. But was, you know, what had your experiences been or what had you seen in your work in hospitality that that made you feel that it was, yeah, something that you wanted to dive into more?
0: I mean... As a queer person of colour, I think it's really taken me a while to understand my place and how I'm perceived by other people. I think places that I've worked previously, I didn't notice the discrimination or um, the lack of mental health support or any kind of support really within the industry. We already know that it's inherently a stressful work environment. So... um, I guess when Kelly's course came to fruition, it was like, well, like I said, that light bulb moment where I was able to understand or start to visualize or realize the experiences that I had had, whether that was like my previous employer had said to me, we want to make turn you more into a man on the floor, whatever that Whoa. means. But the industry is just built on this ideological man person who can work a 16 hour shift, is not tired and can come in the next day, has three beers after their shift and all those kinds of things. So, I don't know, when I first heard of Kelly's Cause and that kind of just changed my mind, um, made me assess all the things that I kind of had pushed down or thought, okay, that's just the industry or that's just how restaurants work. And I guess maybe gave me a real passion to try and create a space where that was. The old way of doing things. If that's the right way of saying it, yeah, it's um,
1: yeah, I I feel really sad to think that you experience discrimination in your working life. I mean, we know that, yeah, queerness and and being of colour can be, um, yeah, can people in with yeah people who are queer and of colour can face difficulties in any um arena, but. I mean, I would have hoped that hospitality being a place where so many people find themselves that it perhaps would be more open and more welcoming. But do you feel that is it that pressure cooker environment where, I don't know, prejudice comes out or I mean, is
0: it what is it? I think there's this real issue of these of companies that I mean, hospitality, like what you just said, is such a diverse and inclusive environment on the forefront as in when you walk into most hospitality businesses you might you will probably see a person of color or you will probably see a queer person but the higher up you get on that hierarchical ladder um there's nobody else you walk into these management meetings or these rooms and there's nobody else that kind of looks like you and it is really demotivating whether that is intentional or not it is just the reality of probably most restaurant groups um both in australia and globally so yeah. I think companies have done a really good job of tokenizing these minority groups, for example, queer people or people of color. So I think it, yeah, it's hard to speak about, especially when these issues are across the, as a global? they're global issues, obviously. Um, but I mean, speaking specifically about hospitality, that's just been my experience.
1: Yeah. And I, I feel like that's just made me realise that perhaps you know my um, my view on it was pretty shallow, really, because you know as, as soon as you talk about going into those management meetings and that you know you, you aren't seeing people that look like you, um, then yeah, of course that then it's it is that whole you, you know you, you can't be what you can't see, but. But on the other hand, <laughs> look at you, you're, you own a restaurant now. So what what kind of stuff does, did Kelly's Cause work on and, you know, how did that motivate you to, to make change in your, in your own arena?
0: So Kelly's Cause was, I mean, originally when we first, when I first started the foundation, we were really specific on mental health first aid training. So that was kind of like getting a person trained within your organization or your restaurant who could act as a mental health first aider, the same way as you would have a, physical first aid person in most workplaces. Um, so we started with that and then we came and we sat down with the group and we were like, okay, what is this actually helping or making any, are we a, being a pioneer of change for this industry? And is this training enough? Are we giving enough support? So we came up with a membership platform where we started to make mental health first aid poli- policies for hospitality groups. Um, and also giving the training as well as setting up a support system and like hints or tips based off our own experiences within hospitality. Um, So the whole Cali's Cause group was made up of people who had over 10 years of experience in hospitality. And that was one of the requirements to be hired within the foundation, just because I think that streamlined the experiences and created made it more relatable. So what kinds of um,
1: first aid could be practiced? What are some things that that someone who's trained in that mental health first aid would, I don't know, would they spot or would they enact in a a business?
0: So first of all, I think uh, open door kind of policy with management or owners with your staff is really important. I think the biggest thing I learned from Cali's cause is the vulnerability you show opens a door for vulnerability to be received. Um, so that was a really important one We I've, I've also taken from Kelly's cause and implemented at Oco a traffic light system for assessing your mental health before your shift So it, it's based off a red amber and green light system and that's kind of where you log it in for your shift and that's how management, knows how you're feeling for example if you log in at amber we know that you might need a little bit of support um, for your shift a red is probably a conversation where either you might need to leave early or you might not be able to work or we have a conversation about how we can assist so i mean those kinds of little things assessing pay um, appropriately um, reducing working contract hours so all of these things i think feed into this idea of a healthy A mentally healthy work environment
1: that's so interesting because you know in some ways i would think of mental health as really complex and the conversations around it as being quite complicated whereas this traffic light system i guess reduces it to i guess it's that are you okay i might be okay no i'm not okay Uh, i mean what do you think about just yeah that that sort of streamlining or simplifying these quite deep feelings or states that a person might be in?
0: I think that that kind of system streamlining it makes it more accessible and makes it more approachable for people. I think companies or people are so afraid to talk about um, mental health because it is such a sensitive and serious topic. But nine times out of 10, and it's something that we used to teach in training all the time at Kelly's course, is starting a conversation or bringing that up actually reduces the risk of persons suffering from mental health and i'm not saying at all that where meant i was a mental health practitioner or that i had any qualification really to be doing that but all we can say is speaking off our own experiences and the experiences that from the people who we received in training and nine times out of ten people just want to be acknowledged know that they're supported or have the space to be able to speak about something that's bothering them
1: Hmm. And if, you know, you have someone that's coming in, you know, red, red, red for a few days, is there a mechanism whereby you would refer them on for counselling or is there is there any sort of next steps?
0: I mean, 100% there is. We are lucky that we haven't gotten to that stage yet, but that's exactly right. There would be counselling, um, there would be looking at if the job that they're doing is actually contributing to that, if there's external factors that are contributing to that, because it all kind of feeds in together.
1: One of the stresses in hospitality is customer behaviour and the way that staff are treated on the dining floor. Um, what you know is there anything that you any strategies that you've got from that point of view? Like, is there a sort of, you know, do you draw a line around customer behaviour? Like, what what sort of yeah? How can you reduce those stresses?
0: And totally, I think that is such a good, uh, interesting point that you brought up because it is that is probably fifty percent of the job is. Uh, being reactive to the customer or the guests that you have. And so I think we have a zero tolerance for any kind of abuse or harassment. We are predominantly a female queer run space. Um, So it's so important to me and my mum that everybody here feels completely comfortable. And that is both in service and out of service. Um, And yeah, we just have a zero policy for any kind of rudeness from a customer or a guest and I have no hesitation in asking someone to leave to protect the well-being of my staff even if that disadvantages the business financially.
1: And I mean, yeah, like f- all power to you for that. I think that's a great stance to take. I mean, you mentioned a little bit earlier, Sebastian, about you know that you by showing vulnerability, you empower people to to express their own um, vulnerabilities and and concerns. What's the toll on you as like the the restaurant owner with your mum co-owning co-owning Oco, on I guess being this very giving, empathetic uh, boss?
0: I mean, It's definitely challenging and I would be lying if I said it wasn't emotional. There's emotional labor involved in any kind of crisis management, but I think we're so trained in crisis management through hospitality. So when when you've got a line out the door and you're trying to be a host and you're trying to coordinate with the kitchen or the waiter to try and flip that table, that's all crisis management. So I think I have had enough experience to be able to kind of notice and level it out, um, not... I'm really good with my boundaries and I think that's a really big one. Um, having to be, there also has to be a boundary for me for my self preservation. So otherwise there won't be a workplace for people to come back to. So I think things like boundaries, um, the experience of just being in the industry for long enough to be able to be successful in crisis as well. Mm.
1: And the whole like queer aspect of things, I mean, just I can't believe that uh, someone told you like your car- they wanted to change your character or your nature or whatever to be on the dining floor, turn you into somebody else. What uh, tell me about that? Like, do you is, have you created a space where people are? Uh, Um, feel freer to be themselves to express whatever aspects of their own being that feels right to them?
0: I mean, 100% we, I mean, and that was really another light bulb moment when that director of the company said to me, we need to make you more into a man. And regardless, I identify as male, but that conversation really sparked a, uh, a light in me to be able to create that safe space. So we always address, we always introduce ourselves with our pronouns at the start, Um, everybody's encouraged to dress professionally, but as freely and artistically or, um, crazily as they like, I guess is a a word, but yeah, we definitely, we speak about, uh, all the different kinds of issues in the world, like trans, um people of colour, all the queer stuff that's happening in Melbourne. We try to support as many suppliers that are queer and all those kinds of things.
1: I love the pronoun um, thing. That's very cool. I've never had a, um, a waiter introduce themselves and, and tell me their pronouns, but I think that's, that's very cool.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's... Uh... It's a work in progress. We, uh, we only knew we've only been open for a few, six weeks now, but um, it's definitely something that we've pushed from the start, even when we had our first training session with the whole team, everybody introduced themselves by their pronouns. And I just think it's really important to just make that initial first step. And it just alleviates stress from both parties, both the server and the guests.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, what sort of crowd are you drawing? Like, do you feel like you're creating a really like-minded space or do you feel like you're challenging some people that are walking through the door?
0: I think we're in a bit of a – I think we're in the middle of both of those. Um, I think we're definitely attracting the right people that we want to um, or that we feel would appreciate what we're trying to achieve here. But we've also had such a really positive response from – let's say the cis community um, who have kind of understood and have left reviews about how many different fabulous people there were sitting next to in the restaurant and all those kinds of things. So I think we're sitting somewhere in the middle.
1: Yeah, really interesting because I think, you know, I've had a lot of these conversations around mental health and hospitality and creating safe and healthy workplaces, but often the response from very small businesses such as yourself is that it's it's very hard to resource and even to have the headspace to think about implementing some of these initiatives. But I I find it really inspiring that you've sort of built your business from the ground up with all of these, uh, you know, built into it as part of, you know, the the identity right from the beginning.
0: I mean, totally. And I think we're in this really unique space at the moment where everybody has experienced some kind of mental health struggle with the pandemic, whether that was isolation or um, all these kinds of different, like, substance abuse. So all these different, there's a sm- massive spectrum of it. So I think there is a bigger understanding around mental health now. I mean, we're not at the ideal level where most business owners are making it a priority. But I think the only way to have a successful business moving forward from this point now is to make that a foundation or to make that a really driving force within your company.
1: Mm. Um, Yeah, it's very very inspiring. I mean, what are some of the other elements that you've noticed as being a a business owner, you know, running your first restaurant? What kinds of things have been surprising or challenging?
0: Um, I feel like I, because I came into it, with an idea of how I would feel in the space, I'm almost, I'm getting offended by people not gelling with that. So that's been a really big challenge to keep an objective mind and to maybe realise that not everybody's on the same journey that I am or has the same experience or background or understanding that I do. Um, Other challenges are, I mean, just general challenges of owning a restaurant, the rising food costs, rent, all those kinds of things. Um, But yeah. Yeah, and what, do you, what are you loving about it? Um, I'm loving the creativity for me, first of all, to make this space. Um, I think I've yearned for it for a long time and I've looked for it for myself for a long time. So being at the front of that and being recognised for it is really cool. I'm loving that. I'm definitely loving working with my mum. I mean, she drives me crazy, but we would be here without her and she's <laughs> so amazing at what she does. Um,
1: so when I come in, what do you reckon I should order?
0: when you come in you should definitely have the mediterranean fried chicken it's delicious um we have a harissa roasted pumpkin with couscous which is super yum and our scallops with a great vinaigrette is delicious
1: yeah okay i'm definitely having all of those what's the what kind of drink suffering do you have
0: Um, So we've tried to match our drinks with um, the Mediterranean kind of aspect. So we have a few classics with a twist and our amazing bar manager, Michaela, she's come up with a few like originals for Oko, which is really cool. But they all kind of sit in that Mediterranean kind of realm.
1: You know, you you mentioned it's a mostly female and queer team. I mean, do you think that there's anything, I guess, inherently different about that?
0: Yeah, I do. I think so at Kelly's cause I did an interview with Asma Khan who she's a UK based chef who runs an entirely female run kitchen and talking with her and her describing kind of how the culture of the kitchens change and there's a lot more empathy and sympathy and all those kinds of things um, was a light bulb moment and something we really pushed for and why we have now a female and queer run kitchen. And it is, I mean, Yeah, it's hard to say this because I know I'm probably going to offend a few people, but it has made such a difference to the team and the working culture having female and queer people in these management positions because it just comes with a different level of empathy and sympathy, um, a different level of understanding, and they also share the passion of breaking this patriarchal, hierarchical structure that the industry is built on.
1: Yeah, I wonder, I mean, what's the ultimate aim? Like, of course, we all want to change the world. Like, do you hope that people will leave that kitchen and then go into other businesses and, and change the culture? I mean, because, you know, men, are, men, are, men are, you know, non-queer men are still going to work in kitchens like how, how are we going to change those kitchens
0: i mean those and that i guess is the biggest problem uh not the biggest problem i guess the biggest challenge that we're all facing um i think yeah showing people that there's a different way of working in hospitality um i think that's a really big one i mean we've had heaps of male straight men apply for positions and to be completely honest i would hire them if they were at par with the females and queers that we have hired. But I think training these people and making mental health a priority and making sure that everybody has two days off back to back and nobody works over 45 hours a week, I think that is just going to kind of dribble out into the industry hopefully well that's the aim and just show people that the industry can be a sustainable career Um, doesn't mean you have to work 70 hours a week for minimum wage and all those kinds of things.
1: Awesome well congratulations on being the change that you want to see Um, is there anything else that you'd like to say Sebastian?
0: Um, I think that's it. I just welcome everybody to Ogo that's wanting to get down and uh, thank you so much for having me.
1: Thank you so much for yeah, sharing the thinking and the action that's behind your restaurant. Um, yeah, really sincerely wish you all the best with it and cannot wait to visit. Thanks, Sebastian.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Danny. We'll see you soon.
1: This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at Linen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. Peace.